Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today's burning question is, how do record labels break even? This is going to be a wildly fun episode, so get ready. We're going to go into some pretty crazy directions here, and we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about some pretty messed up beliefs that a lot of us have about money and how much we can expect to make as a record label. Money is an uncomfortable topic to talk about in the arts, but if we want to take the mystery out of running a record label, then there's absolutely no avoiding this topic. And I hope that we can not only take the mystery out of this topic, but we can actually demystify it altogether. One of the ways we do that here is by partnering with our friends at Infinite Catalog, who just so happened to be this episode's sponsor, another coincidence, Infinite Catalog is a royalty management platform, and just like us, they aim to take the mystery out of managing your royalties. Money comes in from various sources like Bandcamp, Shopify, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Infinite Catalog sorts all of that data and presents it to you and your artists in a neat and tidy little way, making it super easy for everyone to stay in the loop and get paid. Go to infinitecatalog.com to learn more, and if you go to infinitecatalog.com, slash other record labels, you can get a free demo and a special discount on your membership. That's infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels. Let me pause for a second and say something that I think is really important when it comes to making money. And more importantly, how we as small record labels set our own expectations. I fully expect a handful of you to crack a sarcastic joke on threads or in our Facebook group about how you never expect to break even or how the best way to make a million dollars running a record label is to start with two million. It's funny. I get it. I make those jokes all the time. But I want to suggest that not only are we perpetuating this idea that musicians and passionate music industry individuals can't make a living doing what they love, but it's actually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. What came first, the chicken or the egg? the poor record label or the record label owner with poor expectations. I just want to challenge this mindset before we move on, because that's some of the fun things we do here on the show. We have to understand that setting low expectations is dangerous. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're not protecting yourself. You're endangering yourself. Surrendering, surrendering to your current state is not how an entrepreneur should think. Do you agree? In fact, I don't know any other form of entrepreneur who starts a business resigning to fail or not make ends meet. Self-deprecation is a useful tool to hide behind. I can appreciate that. I do it all the time. But let me switch perspectives here for a second and give, give me a second. We're going to get into the meat of today's episode, but let's look at this from a different angle. Maybe you're not convinced that you deserve to get paid for your hard work, but do your artists not deserve to get paid? Does the music you release not deserve to break even? To have a price tag attached to it, is it worthless? Certainly your artists have expectations. They believe in their music as they should, right? If you know the story behind my record label, and I've said it a half dozen times over the past five years on this show, but I started my label with my friends. It was kind of a joke, but it wasn't a joke. I was just hiding behind the idea of it being a joke. Of course, I wanted to quit my stupid day job to do music full-time, but I thought that was so unrealistic that I started the record label from this place of it being just a fun thing I was doing with my friends, like pretending to be grownups. I see now, 
after all these years, that that was a disservice to the artists we work with. And actually, it was incredibly disrespectful to them and their music. That mindset stunted us. I truly believe that. It stunted their potential as well. There's this deep-seated idea that I have from my generation and my parents' and grandparents' generation that says we're not allowed to have both. You can't work and be fulfilled at the same time. You can golf on the weekends or you can play in a band, but you have to go back to reality on Monday. I think a lot of us carry this belief unbeknownst to us, but we do. For me, I realize now there's this limiting belief that I had pre-installed in my psyche that limited my expectations for my record label. And so I'm just giving you a heads up in case you have this belief or if your own financial expectations are tangled up in fear of some sort. Fear can disguise itself as the imposter syndrome. We've talked about that before, which will then disguise itself as self-deprecating jokes. So just in case we fall flat on our face with our record label or someone calls us out as a fraud, we can be like, just kidding, we weren't serious anyway. Okay, I'm going to uh, hop off my soapbox here and get into the practical didactic tips. My apologies. You can grab the notes from today's episode or, or watch this episode on YouTube by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash breakeven, all one word. That's otherrecordlabels.com slash breakeven. Let's look at five ways that will help your record label break even. Number one, creating multiple revenue streams. Talked about this in our courses. We've talked about this quite a lot. What's the definition? The entire pie is made up of different slices, but it's actually, losing the pie analogy, it's made up of different sized slices. Some are really big slices and some are really small and some are crumbs. Multiple revenue streams, to use the analogy of streams flowing into a body of water. If you have this really big lake or ocean, you have, sometimes you have like very substantial rivers that flow into that lake. Sometimes you have um, a little brook that flows into that lake. And sometimes you just have like water seeping in from other places. And so that's the analogy is that for our record label or for any business, we thrive on having these big rivers. And in our case, that would be Bandcamp. That would be uh, digital streaming or wholesale sales. But we also have these little trickle uh, streams and brooks uh, coming in from little things like licensing um, or selling beats or, um, you know, renting out some of our equipment. I have a spreadsheet that shows over 20, for my record label, I have a, I have a spreadsheet that shows like well over 20 columns of revenue sources that I've kind of accumulated over the years. That can be anything from like YouTube ad revenue or Patreon or actual just like literal donations, government grants, um, things like obviously things like the big DSBs and Bandcamp, wholesale, in-person sales. So people just come to the door and buy a record. I keep track of all this. These are my multiple revenue streams. Some have now since dried up. We don't do Patreon anymore. And others have just started. We've found a new revenue stream that we never thought would exist. And now it's got a column on my spreadsheet. I think you already know how to look for multiple revenue streams for your business. But if you've been running your label for some time now, I would suggest to you to actually start to measure and keep track of those multiple revenue streams. Hopefully, hopefully you have been. Measuring does two things. It helps you keep track of everything so that nothing gets missed or unaccounted for. And secondly, it motivates you to go and look for more revenue streams, knowing that each little trickle 
makes that main body of water bigger and bigger. The other thing it does too is like I mentioned government grants. A couple of years ago, we got a government grant. The year after that, another arts grant. And so now I'm realizing, like I look at my spreadsheet and go, well, the past two years, we've had a couple thousand dollars come in from these grants. We need to make sure we do that again or we're going to fall short of last year. And so measuring these little different revenue streams that you kind of forget about um, are really helpful. And the other thing that's cool too is like, let's say we don't get a grant this year. So we lose out on like $2,000. But let's say we get some sort of cool little sync licensing deal that we didn't get last year and it kind of covers up for that. So multiple revenue streams is also a great way to kind of um, protect yourself. It's like insurance. It's like, wow, streaming was really down this year. That sucks. But for some reason, our wholesale uh, physical sales to um, brick and mortar retail stores was up. I don't know why somebody liked our vinyl, whatever. And so that's why it's great to have multiple revenue streams. Number two, keeping your record labels expenses low. I have talked about this many times over. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, you don't need me to go into it too much, but I've often used the analogy of offense versus defense, offense, scoring goals, defense, keeping goals out of your net. In this case, expenses are the goals that are in your net. And so you want to keep your expenses as low as possible. This is probably the simplest way to break even. The simplest way to not gain weight is to not eat more calories than you burn. So what does this look like for a record label? It means making sacrifices on things that you think you should be doing, like paying for a high-end mastering engineer or printing a thousand CDs or paying for a publicist to run a campaign. A penny saved is a penny earned. And so one of the ways, probably the biggest way that you can break even as a record label is by keeping your record label expenses low. That makes that means making sacrifices and saying, we can't do these things that other record labels are doing right now. Um, maybe we will on our next release, but if we expect to maybe only sell 20 records, then we need to figure out, okay, that's 20 records and they're, let's say they're, on cassette and they're going to be $10 each. So that's $200. And then maybe we can do another $200 in streaming. That's $400. That's our budget, right? That's our budget. Now, of course, there's long-term back catalog revenue, but you might want to take a look at what you think you can do and then make sure you keep your expenses low, knowing that your revenue might be low on the first release or the second release. Does that make sense? Number three, Amortizing your record label's expenses. Another thing we've talked about before. Amortizing is the gradual writing off of an asset. In the case of amortizing your release expenses, this means that the cost of recording, mixing, mastering, artwork, those are fixed costs. You only pay them once. And you can sell those records or have them streamed infinitely without increasing your costs. So understanding this is important because it should motivate you to make the most out of your of the expenses you've already incurred and can never get back. So what does this look like for a record label? Sync licensing a track from the album is one of the ways um, yeah, that's very popular because let's say you have, you know, sync licensing is all digital, right? And so you've paid for this music to be recorded. You've paid for a graphic designer, a photographer, all that cool stuff, the record is out. And six months later, um, a director asks you to use the song on a TV show or a movie. And it costs you literally nothing. But now this is revenue 
that can be put against the expenses of recording this album. So if it costs you $1,000 to record this album and you only made $500 from sales and streaming, you're now $500 in the hole. Six months later, a director comes around along and says, hey, we'd like to pay you $500 to include this song in our TV show. And you're like, yeah, that's great. And now all of a sudden you've broken even by not actually selling any records. And so that's a really great way to kind of amortize all of the effort that you've already done. One of the ways I do this with my own music is by reopening the recording sessions, muting all the vocals, and releasing an instrumental version of the album a few months after the main album was released. Does it sell as many copies uh, as the main album? No, of course not. But who cares? All the hard work and cost of session musicians is done and paid for. And any little bit that comes in, and it is a, just a little bit of money, it's free money. Number four, learning and iterating your record label operations. One of the things I haven't mentioned in this episode is the power of playing the long game. And um, evolving and adapting your business to be more profitable can really only be done over the long term. What works and how to double down on it is one of the things you really need to look at. What are the things that are working? Go back to that spreadsheet that we talked about. And what are the big pigs? What are the things that are really bringing in revenue? And then compare that to how much effort is put in. Well, streaming, we do a lot of pitching to streaming, but that's okay because it brings in a lot of money. Maybe we look at vinyl and we realize um, vinyl's making tons of money, but for some reason I'm spending all my time doing streaming and streaming's not making that much money. Maybe I should focus more on vinyl. Maybe we should do more vinyl and put more money into physical because that's doing really well. Maybe you notice, oh my goodness, I didn't realize but our YouTube channel got monetized and people are listening to music there. We're making quite a bit in ad revenue. In fact, we're making more in ad revenue than we are in our Patreon. And this leads me to our second thing, which is what doesn't work, you need to eliminate. And so this is all part of um, learning and evolving your record label's operations is that doubling down on the things that are working, but then completely eliminating the things that aren't. Pareto's principle is called the 80-20 rule, which means that 80% of your success can come from only 20% of your actions. And so we might be looking at that spreadsheet and say, gosh, we are just killing it on streaming and we don't do anything. For some reason, Spotify loves us. We're making all this money on streaming. Well, then why am I going to uh, a record fair every Saturday to sell records when I don't make any money there? Or I don't break even because the cost to get the booth at the record fair costs too much. Or why am I putting all this effort into streaming when all of our money is coming from sync licensing? So this is done by analyzing quarterly or at least yearly, looking at that spreadsheet we talked about, what gets measured gets managed. How will you know what is working and what isn't unless you're crunching those numbers? That means having an individual column for each revenue source like we already talked about, matched up against individual columns showing their expenses and how much they cost. If I were to ask you right now, is your social media efforts giving you a return on their investment? Well, you would say social media is 100% free. Any return is good. Yeah, but it takes your time, right? It's, it's, it's demanding. You could be doing other things. It's an opportunity cost. It's the stress and the demanding nature of social media. Measure it. How much money are you making from social media? How many people are clicking your link in bio, going to Bandcamp? Bandcamp will tell you that, by the way, and buying an album. Is that number zero? If that's number zero, 
If you're not seeing any engagement on social media, maybe it's time to say, hey, listen, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to post every single week, if I could stop doing these stupid TikToks or YouTube shorts, because guess what? They're not doing anything for me. And if you flip that Pareto principle upside down, you'll realize that 80% of your stress is coming from only a small portion uh, of the stuff that you do. So continue to evolve your business. Do more of what is working, what you enjoy. Make tough choices. Stephen King says, to kill your darlings. And that leads us to number five. Getting creative with your record label. 95% of starting up record labels I speak with on our clarity calls are approaching starting a label in the traditional sense, which is fine. I did that too, right? We sign a band, we prepare a single, prepare an EP, prepare an album, release it digitally, maybe a CD, maybe a tape, try to get it on some blogs. We all do that. But occasionally I'll meet someone who's coming at the idea of starting a record label with a completely unique strategy, like starting by only releasing on YouTube for now, doing a vinyl compilation of unsigned artists, making toys and collectibles, offering studio time and producing services to the artists they sign. Some of the labels we've had on the podcast do this too. Joyful Noise um, have these VIP clubs, different tiers of clubs that these these members pay a monthly or a yearly fee and they get access to this portal where they get special information and they get um, details on new releases. They can even vote on bands that uh, the label is thinking about signing. That's super creative. Refresh records we've had on the show and we're talking about doing community events, going out to local events to sell records and to sell merch at events where there were no other musicians, no other record labels. When I, um, a big pivotal shift in, in, for my record label was the idea of doing studio tours on YouTube and going around to local recording studios and talking about gear with engineers and producers, talking about making music. It had nothing to do with selling records. But I thought maybe my, our audience of people who enjoy music will, will like a behind the scenes at the recording process. And it was wildly successful and people still watch the videos and people came to the label because of this thing that I did that was completely separate from the traditional model of running a record label. The point is this, there is a path for you to be profitable. You just haven't found it yet. If it's just selling records the old fashioned way, great, congratulations but that's hard to do. Maybe you are profitable because you sell a lot of vinyl, but your streaming numbers suck. Maybe you don't sell that much vinyl, even though they look cool, but for some reason your artists are streaming juggernauts and you break even. Maybe neither is true, and your path to profitability is somewhere buried in the back of your mind. If you want to find that path, I would suggest starting with what you're most passionate about. Is it a podcast, YouTube, vinyl manufacturing, Movies and TV, producing records, throwing a festival, evangelizing a physical format, working with visual artists, directing music videos, cooking, writing. Get creative with your record label. If the traditional record label model isn't working for you, do what any good entrepreneur would do and create a new way. I hope you found this helpful. Go to otherrecordlabels.com slash breakeven to watch this on YouTube or to get the notes from today's episode. And be sure to check out our friends at Infinite Catalog for your royalty accounting needs and to help you keep track of everything we talked about today. Go to infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels to get a special discount. My wife won't let my kids say they can't do something unless they've put the word yet at the end of that sentence. Like, 
I don't know how to play baseball. She makes them say, I don't know how to play baseball yet. So I'm doing the same for you and your record label. You don't know how to break even with your releases yet. Your record label isn't breaking even yet. 